Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 49. John and Wendy talk to Chris Fields. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's everything going, John? Wendy, I'm well. We're into 2019 now, and it's ah. hard to believe that, yeah, the, the scheduling <laughs> of events and speaking engagements, conferences, all that good stuff's going yeah. on. And while I think it's a little too early to talk too much about what we may have going on, I know we got proposals out and what mm-hmm. have you, we did want to mention briefly that our pals at Namely are having HR Redefined. Yep. That event is May 5 through 7 in New York City. It sounds like from what we've talked about with them that it's going to be quite a year for them. They plan to have, I think, about a thousand people. Wendy, is that right? Somewhere that's, in that. Yeah, I think that's range. what they mentioned. Um, yeah. Sounds like they've got some fun stuff planned in an interesting location. So they do. And they have, they also have their speaker uh, appointments or, or speaker uh, applications are open yep. through, yeah, through February 1st. So if you hear this before February 1st. Yes. And you're interested, we'll have a link in the show notes to uh, to HR Redefined. But uh, but again, should be a, an interesting event. We're you know, excited to hear more about it and mm-hmm. uh, wanted to mention that we knew that was one coming up fairly, you know, fairly soon, May. It's hard to believe we're in January, but, you know, I uh, wanted come to fast. put that out there and make sure they, they come fast. So <laughs> enough yeah. talking, though, about conferences. I was really excited about our guest tonight. Mm-hmm. I told him before we came on, it was nice to finally talk to him. I feel like I've known him from afar for a few <laughs> years now when it comes to social and the way it goes. But Wendy, I'll let you make the introduction and we'll get started. Yeah, super excited to welcome Chris Fields to the show tonight. Got a chance to work with him um, a little bit earlier this year, so happy that he's willing to join us. He has a master's in human resources and labor relations from Ohio State University. He got involved with social media in 2011 and started his first blog shortly thereafter. He was able to connect to the HR community and began attending and speaking at SHRM conferences, which led to close relationships with Tennessee SHRM, OKHR, and Missouri SHRM. He has been a keynote speaker with the Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce and Pike University. He has written over a thousand HR articles for multiple corporate blog sites, including Smart Recruiters, Skyward ADP, and eSkills Assessment. He owns and operates Performance I Create, The Defiant Ones, and The Resume Crusade. He's been featured on Monster Thinking, Mashable.com, and Oprah.com, and was listed as one of the top resume writers of 2016. He also manages a small collection of diverse speakers known as the MVP Speaking Group. Chris, welcome to the show tonight. Our first question is, what's in your glass? Well, Happy New Year. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> on, most time, on most days, it's water, but that's not sexy. So when I am drinking and when I have, you know, had some celebration uh, recently, it's been scotch. I like scotch on the rocks, doers. Oh. And right now I've been enjoying some pure white Hennessy that my brother brought me from an island trip, but that's been what's in my glass for the most part. Wow. Fancy. What about you guys? What's in your glasses? What's in your glasses? Tonight it's water. Well, yeah, tonight it's water. Unfortunately, (laughs) you have to have to kind of have to check the, uh, the voice, right? Like we're not supposed to imbibe too much but yeah <laughs> i can i can live vicariously through you chris yes. I, I i enjoy the uh at least the american 
bourbons and things. The brown we've had some folks with brown liquor on the show, and yeah. Scotch is right up there. So mm-hmm. now I'm I'm curious. You know, as I mentioned, we we connected a long time ago. It seems like it seems like a, a lifetime ago now with through social. I don't really know a lot about your background. How exactly did you get your start in HR? I used to live in Ohio, and I was a uh, corporate trainer. And uh, funny enough, I wanted to be a supervisor at this call center I was working at, but they overlooked me and gave the job to somebody else. And I was mad. And uh, <laughs> the director of the call center, she she knew I was mad, so she called me in the office one day. She said. You know, I understand you were looking forward to that, but just keep your eyes open, right? And so I'm like, oh, okay, but I'm still upset, right? Because I got to look looked over. Well, anyway, they posted a job for a corporate trainer, and I saw it, but I didn't think anything of it. So she comes by my desk and she says, "Did you see that job posting in the break room?" And I was like, "Yeah." And and I was so thick headed, I wasn't picking up on what she was putting down. And as soon as she walked <laughs> away, this guy who sat next to me, his name's Aaron, I never forget him. He said, "Dude, she wants you to apply for that job." I was like, "Really?" Yes. So I did. <laughs> I got the job and I fell in love with the whole training process. And um, then uh, that's how I got started. And just to kind of take you through what's happened now is that um, that company started experiencing some financial uh, problems. And I realized I needed to get a little more education because this was before I had my degree. And so since I was in Columbus, I figured, why not go to the Ohio State University and learn a little <laughs> bit more about programming? Um, Came a Buckeye and the rest is not so much history. And we may talk about that later on tonight, but that's how everything kind of got started. I always love when people say the Ohio State. <laughs> I, uh, meant to, I meant to emphasize that in the bio. I forgot to do that. So that's bad <laughs> on me. But oh, I, I thought of it when I was when I was reading it. And I was like, well, is this is this the Ohio State or is that a different? Am I confusing that with a different school? But <laughs> no, no, you had it right. It is the Ohio State University. I was on me for not putting a V in front of this, but we'll get it right next time. <laughs> next time. Next time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Chris, you and I got a chance to chat because uh, you are a resume writer and I uh, took mm-hmm. advantage of your services earlier this year. and It was a wonderful experience. So I highly recommend to uh, give you a little bit of a, a free shout here. I do recommend your services out to anyone who's looking for that, that assistance and that bump up. And one of the things we chatted about while we were talking is you get to chat with people from all different industries. Um, So you get to see all the mistakes. So you have to tell us what is the one thing most people get wrong in writing their resumes? And what's that one myth that just won't die? Well, first, thank you for admitting. I shouldn't say admitting sounds bad, but for letting people know that you hired me. (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes people don't really want to talk about those things publicly. So I do appreciate you letting yes. it be known and that does uh, make a big difference. So thank you. You know, I've been thinking about that question. I don't know if there's a one thing because everyone is so different. I guess if I had to, you know, say the, the thing that I see the most often is I think people think that it's easy. So they just use a template. So I guess I would say a template is probably the the most common thing that people get wrong. But I'm telling you, when I tell you, I've seen it all from Jobs from the 70s to terrible formats, stretched out margins, six, seven page resumes. I've seen a lot of different crazy stuff. So I don't know if it's just one thing, but if I had to say one, it'd probably just be, you know, going to Microsoft, pulling up a template and thinking that's going to set you apart from the hundreds of other people who have done the same thing. Oh, and the myth. And um, the myth, yes. <laughs> the myth that won't die. Um, actually, I think the myth that won't die is that resumes are not important and they're boring because they don't have to be. 
um, you can really infuse a lot of your identity and personality into your resume and not be quirky or a joke. So I just think that sometimes people take resumes for granted and they think, oh, it's just a resume. I can write. I've been to college. I know English. I can do this. And it's really more than that. I mean, it's not a term paper. You know, it's a different type of document. And there are certain rules that you can get away with now that you couldn't get away with in the past. Even though I've only been doing this for about six years professionally, there have been some changes and some things that you can kind of, you know, do now that you probably couldn't do three or four or five years ago. Yeah, I think that's true. It was when I told my husband I was uh, going to work with you, he was like, you know how to write a resume. I know how to write other people's resumes. <laughs> I can well, help somebody else, but it's, you know, sometimes you're just too close to it. So exactly. And when know, I was and, first started, I had a functional resume and we all know that that's not what you're supposed to have. Right. So I didn't realize that, you know, that's the worst one to have as a functional. So I had a functional resume and then I learned more about resumes and then the technical side, like people don't realize that uh, there's there's actually a technical side to resumes. You know, we call a certain part of the resume the prime real estate, and we try to make sure that that information has enough attention grabbing data that guys like you and me who recruit and hire and look for people will see and be drawn to right away. A lot of people don't realize that they use that top real estate and they put it full of information that is not important. So there's a lot of things that I've learned, and it's not just about intelligence because we're all pretty smart, but it's just about knowing what works and what doesn't. I have to say my favorite resume of all time that I ever read was a a gentleman that submitted a resume that it was probably 10 pages long. And he claimed to have invented a quantum mechanics mathematical equation that no one would understand. Seriously? And I bet. Oh, yeah. It's the fun. <laughs> it was it was it, absolutely bananas, Chris. Yeah. It was it was probably my favorite resume of all time to try and read. And it was just so wow, it was out there, man. I probably shouldn't say this, but there are some that's so bad sometimes that you gotta read it all just to really believe what you're watching, what you're looking oh, at. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> yes, some I'm I... like, Wow, I got to see more about this and you know, this person really put all this in there. So yeah, it's it's some amazing stories out there. I, I was telling John about one of the candidates I saw today, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to him because I got to know, is this true? <laughs> I got to know this story. <laughs> Absolutely. I've had people tell me, like, you know, they send me a copy of resume, like, this thing is terrible, but I'm going to call him because I got to see if this is legit. Chris, we talked about your, your background with speaking, and you've been a very vocal proponent of getting more diverse speakers to conferences, not just nationally, but also at state and at, even at the local levels. What are some things that you think that we can do collectively as HR professionals and people that are working with, uh, we talked about conferences earlier, how can we help get those speakers to the podium? There's a couple of things, and thanks for asking this question. There's a couple of things. One, we have to look for the potential voices. Like, you know, I try to be intentional about connecting with anybody who I think is saying something interesting, doing something different. But you know how it is uh, with minorities. There's not as many. That's why they're called minorities. So I look for people who have that spark and that consistency. And then when I see them start to do things, you know, kind of look and see if that's something that um that may be interesting. But what we can do is you look for the diversity, look for the people who are doing it. There are lots of people who are actually doing it right now. And all you have to do is contact them. 
and I've had people tell me that they don't want to talk to this person or they were afraid to reach out to certain people because they think that they're intimidating. And I'm like, but that's one of the nicest people you ever meet. Lower your barriers. And if you see someone who is constantly out there speaking and doing different things, reach out to them and get them to your conference because I've had, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I'm glad you're here. You know, I, I wanted to see somebody like you. And, and if I can just say this real quick, the whole MVP speaking group came about because I was in Missouri one day and me and, um, conference director at the time was, was talking and she said to me, like, we need more of this. And I thought to myself, well, I know at least three or four people who can do this as well. And that's how it kind of came about to put the word out there. So we can identify those people who are speaking, reach out to them, talk to them. And then the next thing is the money aspect. Everybody wants to be paid and, and all conferences have budgets and there's lots of different negotiations. And I get that, but you have to think about when you're asking somebody to come to your conference, you ask them to take off work more than likely, be away from their family, fly or drive to your conference, put a presentation together, present that presentation. So you just want to make it at least where they're not in a negative situation. I can say from all the things that I've done, I've never really gotten paid. I've never really gotten like a whole lot of money. Now they have taken care of my expenses and put me in a situation where I'm not negative and I'd appreciate that. I do totally do, but I've never come away like, woo, you know, this is cha-ching. Let's go turn it up. No, it's never been like that. <laughs> so just remember, you know, if you're thinking about bringing somebody in, put, see how much money you can get for them and, Make them a general, uh, not general, well, yeah, a generous office or at least a very decent offer because, you know, that's important to uh, had a few deals fall apart because, you know, couldn't work out the numbers. I think that's important that on, on both sides that, you know, you, you can't be afraid to spend a little money because you never know who those people are going to bring in to, who's going to want to see them and listen to them speak. Representation is important. You're not going to get I'm not going to get more diverse speakers in South Dakota by waiting for them to show up on our doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I've had so many people tell me that um, they don't go to conferences because they don't see enough uh, representation. And, you know, in our profession, that's really kind of sad because, you know, there, there are different faces and there are lots of people with lots of voices. So it's really good to see when uh, those conferences do take a step and say, Hey, we really want to get some more people here. And there's there's lots of great conferences that are doing it right. I mentioned Missouri, Oklahoma, Sherm, Oklahoma HR, they do a great job. Atlanta does a great job. So there's some, you know, conferences that really try and there's some that could probably do a better job. You are the social media and communications manager for Code Crew. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about that organization and what led you to take part? Absolutely. Uh, again, thank you for asking about this too. This is something I'm really I really I'm passionate about it and love working with these guys. So Code Crew is a nonprofit organization here in Memphis that teaches tech education, computer science to uh, started out with kids. Now it's moved from kids to adults because they have a, a computer software coding boot camp that they just started, excuse me, that they just started in July. We're getting ready for the second class in, um, this in a couple, like a couple weeks from now. And then the third class will be this July in 2019. Very excited about it because of the work they do in this community. You know, as you guys know, when you give kids an alternative to different things, it op opens and unlocks doors for them. So me being a young black man from Memphis, I know growing up, there wasn't a whole lot of 
uh, activities if you didn't play football or um, basketball. So to have something where it unlocks the mind and, and you see the creativity. I mean, we've had pitch nights where these kids pitch ideas. We've had drone competitions, hackathons, and uh, our code celebrations. And so uh, that's what they do. And, and a good friend of mine started the business. He quit his job as a um, software developer and started this thing. And so I just kind of watched from afar for a little bit. And we would go out and talk. And I noticed that his social media was basically non-existent. And so he asked me one day, he said, well, who does the social media for you and the resume crusade? And I was like, that's me. <laughs> so he's like, well, can you help me a little bit? And I was like, absolutely. And so uh, that's how I got involved. But then you start seeing the images and what they're doing and then the parents and all of this stuff and then the importance in the community. And it just you just fall in love with what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about Code Crew. And if anybody's interested, Code Crew dash i'm sorry code dash crew.org and there is a donation button it's a non-profit so <laughs> yeah. i love it that's really yeah. cool that's really cool it really is i mean it's amazing and then you see the kids like they've only been doing it since 2015 and i've been part since uh, late 2016 but you see the kids grow up in the program so you see them from like 13 to 16 and then we got we got kids who are starting to graduate um, high school yeah. now and go on to do other things. And so it's really fascinating. That's just awesome. I love it. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Keeps yeah. me young too. Keeps me young and keeps my mind <laughs> as well. Amazing being around kids with that, how that can help you. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Chris, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. So our first question is, do you remember how you first connected with us? Sorry, John. I don't remember how me and you first connected. I'm sure it was just that's okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember first connecting with Wendy. I remember it was through the HR uh, tribe hashtag. I remember seeing you would make some comments, and I thought, okay, who's this? She's saying some pretty cool stuff, and kind of following. <laughs> so I do remember that. Awesome, Chris. I think it was way back when, way back when, when I first first got involved from the HR side of things on Twitter. I because I, I, I certainly remember your name, and I. PIC stuff. I, I don't know. Long time, but I've been, we talk I've been a lot about networking. Trouble, I've been causing trouble on the internet since 2011. <laughs> 2011, right? <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little about networking, Chris, and how has networking helped in your career and what's been really effective for you when it comes to networking? No exaggeration. Networking has saved my career. Uh, as I mentioned, or as you know, you read in the bio, I connected to the HR community. So after I graduated, well, you know, I had a job as a corporate trainer. Then I was a benefit specialist for a couple of years and then a generalist. But in 2005, when I officially graduated my degree, I moved back to Memphis and I totally overestimated a Big Ten degree in the South. You know, nobody cared about the Ohio State in Memphis. They cared about <laughs> Ole Miss, the UT and those sorts of things. So it was very hard. And so um, I took a job doing something at a, a working at a help desk not a bad company, just wasn't for me. So to speed the story up, after five years or so, uh, in 2010, I decided I was going to quit, you know, no matter what, balls out, do something in HR. And so I paid off all my bills, my cars and all that stuff. And in 2011, I started my first blog. And I remember painfully putting out articles that I thought were good, but weren't at the time because of just starting and uh, hoping for a retweet or something. And the first person to ever retweet anything I wrote 
was Mr. Jay Coons, who I have grown to love. He still is one of my biggest supporters today, even though I've moved and gotten different websites and stuff. He still promotes my stuff and there. So I want to shout out to Jay Coons. Um, but it was him first. Then Steve Brown asked my phone number one day, called me out of the blue, gave me some encouraging words. And then Dave Ryan, who you guys might see, we have a really close connection now. He called me. His son lives here in Memphis and uh, he would come to town and want to hang out. And at first I was a little skeptical, like, who's this guy who wants to hang out? I don't, but <laughs> he's a really great guy and I've grown to love him and his family. So those connections helped me to start doing stuff in the term circuits and start to see how, you know, that kind of worked a little bit and where I could be a benefit. And so those connections really helped me to do other things, you know, get involved with PIC and started doing that. And then the resumes came along and then the network has been very good as far as referring people to me, hiring me themselves. Um, you know, and I really don't take that for granted when, you know, someone sends somebody to me who has either worked with me or just seen me and said, Hey, I've been watching what you're doing and I believe you can help my friend. That means a lot to me. So the network for me has been just vital and the effectiveness of networking just really has just saved my career. So who do you read and follow for HR insights? I like to read a lot of stuff. Like I'm, I'm nosy, you know, I read stuff from the major <laughs> blogs. I read stuff from the, from, from Forbes, from any, anything that has an HR angle to it, I'll read it. Um, now, as far as blogs, I don't read a lot of them as I used to because there's so many of them. It's kind of hard to keep up with, but I try to make sure I'm at least knowing who is where. And so if I do want to go and see what somebody's doing, I can do that. I'm really nosy and I like to keep my, uh, my instincts as sharp as possible. So I read a lot of stuff and ask myself, now, if I was an HR, how would I? What would I, like, like, for example, <laughs> the whole uh, medicinal and recreational marijuana thing, like if I was in a state yeah. where it's legal, I would totally have edibles at the hollow at the holiday party. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I would have edibles and I would just, you know, try to police it like you police alcohol. But, yeah, I would have a tray sure. of cookies or brownies or something. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's legal. Hey. Oh, that that's just awesome. We, we won't have a conversation about like Department of Transportation rules and things like that that I have to deal with when it <laughs> comes to that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. So like, you know, one of my friends who, who worked as a, in HR in Colorado, when it first started, you know, breaking out there, I called him and said, how are you handling this? He was like, it's just like alcohol. You can't come to work drunk. You can't come to work high. We just have to change the way we, you know, look at things and measure things. but. It's pretty much the same thing. So if you allow alcohol at your Christmas or at your holiday party, which most people do, uh, and if you're in one of these states where it's legal, I think it's 13 or 14 of them now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't say no just because it's marijuana, because if it's legal. And, yeah. So it, it, those are the types of things that I think about. Like, if I'm an HR person in this industry, how do I handle that? Now? What do I do about that? You know? Um, so, yeah, I like to do that. I like I to stay it. sharp by that. Doing that and talking to smart people like you guys. <laughs> Chris, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Lots of ways. You know, performance I create is one of my favorites because it started out as a multi-contributor blog. And we were trying to be, I guess, like everybody else, you know, HR rules and best practices and all that. And 
you know, that kind of got boring to me. So when we rebranded a couple of years, about a year and a half ago, um, I wanted to do something where, because every HR person I know, they wrote about one thing, but they had feelings about something else, but it didn't quite fit their HR blog or the companies they were writing for. I feel like we all have different interests and sometimes they bleed and intersect together. So I wanted to make performance. I create a way that if you're a talented creator and you're self-motivated and you want to write and you have these thoughts and it could be radical. I don't care. I'm not going to edit you that you can write here. So it's been an outlet and um, we've had some great people on it. So, you know, we've had Steve Brown was a contributor at one point. Jay was a contributor. Dave is still a contributor. Sarah Williams was a contributor. Uh, Morgan, I'm sorry. Sarah Morgan was a contributor. I mean, Truett, Justin. We've had lots of great people contribute to that. And I'm very proud of the fact that they have a, a association with performance I create, even though a lot of them have gone on to do other things. I'm totally cool with that. But it's an outlet that I can manage. No one's going to, it's not owned by anybody but me. It's not policed by anybody but me. So, no one's going to ever come there and say, you can't write about this, Chris, or you can't post that, whatever it is. The only rule we really have is that if you're going to go after something or somebody, it just we don't want it to be too personal. Like, you know, if somebody says, well, I hate John. I don't want to write an article about why I hate John. Well, no, not not here. If you got a if you got a lesson in the situation that you want to talk about, maybe we can talk about that. But we really just try and I had, I, we got some really great. Diverse speakers of writers now. Uh, Latanya Wilkins in Chicago. She is part of the LGBT community and she's a career coach and leader. And we have, uh, Danielle Rodriguez who is in Florida, but she has some great stuff. And then, and she hasn't written a whole lot for us, but that's okay because she's dealing with a lot of things with the, the hurricane that hit Puerto Rico. It's still, you know, something that she has to manage and other stuff. So that's another thing. We don't really, you know, tell everybody, you got to write this, you got to write this. It's really, we want you to write when you got something good to say, but we really pride ourselves on having a talented team of, I call them creators, that create stuff that you just really don't see in a lot of other blogs. And so that's how I give back, providing the opportunity to be free from any constraints when you're right in the writing process, in the creative process. That's really cool. Really cool. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, Chris, what is your favorite movie? I don't have one. I used to love Spielberg growing up as a kid. There's lots of movies that I love, um, but I think, you know, you guys see me talk about Star Wars. I love the original three Star Wars and the Marvel movies. I'm a big fan of those. I just like really good storytelling, but I don't have one movie. So one that if it's on TV, you're going to stop and watch it? Well, there's a lot of them. Shawshank Redemption. um, No. Right now, well, just a few weeks ago, it's a wonderful life, you know. Um, so there's some movies that will stop me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. But uh, I wouldn't just say it's one, though. All right. All right. How, about, uh, how about a musician or band? Now, if you guys know me, you know the answer to this. <laughs> Neither one of you guys know? We still oh, have to ask. Yeah. I got to do a better <laughs> job. I got to do a better job. You guys can know. I got to do a better job. But Prince, Prince is my all-time favorite. Oh. I knew that. Believe it or not, I knew that. But again, I have to ask. <laughs> for the <laughs> Got to hear it from you, man. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite. I miss that guy. Oh, he put out good music. Oh, 
Yeah, I was a big fan. I seen him four times in concert. Oh wow. A friend of mine was in uh, Minneapolis years and years and years ago, and she still tells this story, but she and her friends were out one night. It's getting to be close to closing time, and some people were saying, hey, let's go, and all of a sudden they heard people saying, yeah, don't leave, don't leave. And uh, Prince showed up and uh, got mm. it, had his guitar, went up on stage, and played for like an hour. Just well, you know our good friend Tiffany Peele lives up there. <laughs> Our good friend Tiffany Keel lives yeah. up there, and I told her that when I come up there to visit Paisley Park that uh, she needs to work out because I'm going to pass out, and I'm a big guy, so she's going to have to carry me out of there or <laughs> drag me out of there or roll me out of there or something. So she's going to have to work out so she can just roll me on out of there because I'm going to fall out. I know it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Chris, how about a favorite TV show? Uh, so comedy is Modern Family and Blackish. I love those two. I said my days around making sure I watch those and then drama game of Thrones and a couple of shows on network television, new Amsterdam. I like a lot and uh black list on NBC. Chris, I always look for connection. I'm, I'm a big star Wars nerd and Marvel movies. I, I have to say, I love the fact that you're willing to admit that you would pass out just going to Paisley park. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could say that for any, and I like a lot of music, but I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever given me the vapors. I have to. I, think it's, I, it's I love be, it. I don't, don't know if I'm there, man. It's going to be terrible. It'll probably be on World Star and everything. I'll just, guy falls out at Paisley Park. <laughs> little little oh. woman, little woman drags this big guy out of Paisley Park. Oh, Shout I will. I'll Tiffany. be there to to get it reported. Well, good. Both of you guys a... can drag me out then, because I'll be out. <laughs> Chris, if you're if you're not watching your favorite movies, you're not listening to Prince and not watching the television shows you talked about, what else do you like to do away from work? Uh spend time with my nieces and nephews, you know. Um I have two I have a older brother and two younger sisters and um my older younger sister has three children and the other one has three. So the uh first set are kinda, you know, adults now, twenty one and nineteen and seventeen. But then the uh the younger three, I really like spending time with them. So that's what I do outside of work. I hang out with them. And then occasionally I hang out with some friends of mine, you know, from high school. I'm still connected to quite a few of my high school friends. And so we'll go out and catch a drink every once in a while as well. All right. Well, Chris, if you weren't working, I guess I'm going to call you HR adjacent at this point in your career. What do you think you'd be doing? Uh, so I used to say I wanted to be a director, but I think I don't have the patience for that. I wouldn't mind being a script. I wouldn't mind being a script writer though. Like I think I could write a a good show or a movie or something like that. Like I wouldn't mind being a a writer for projects. So still in that creative world, you know. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do so a, make a, a lot of money. HR. Too, you, know? you well, maybe you could be the first person to actually do a decent HR comedy. <laughs> I think no, no. The Christmas one that came out a few years ago—I forget what it was—with uh, uh, Kate McKinnon and uh, Jason oh, Bateman. Um, office party. That was pretty good, and that was pretty close. Was and then, yeah, that was pretty good. And then there was a movie with Zach Galifianakis, uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, or something like that. He played a HR guy. It was um, oh, that's John right. Ham. Yeah, with John yeah. Ham and yes, uh, I, yes, yeah. John Ham. All that. That was funny because he was an HR guy. He had the little stress balls. That he- <laughs> yes. 
So uh, you know, there's some there's some movies that's that's getting close to the mark on HR. So yeah, but I think I could make a pretty good funny one as well. I love well, it, Chris. I have to, I have to say, I'm I'm glad at least you haven't done that yet. Maybe that can be the next big thing you do. Because if you did, then we may not have had a chance to talk to you tonight. Yeah. I don't think we'd be connected here. But I really appreciate you joining us. It's it's great to I'm going to say reconnect. You know, I'm glad that Wendy. Uh, when Wendy brought your name up and had him work with you and said, oh, I really would love to talk to Chris. I was like, absolutely. We definitely need yeah. to have him. So for those folks that are listening that don't know you, that aren't connected to you and want to get a hold of you now, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? Uh, so LinkedIn is just Christopher Fields. And then on everything else, I made it real simple. Resume Crusade. That makes it easier for us because yeah. we can put it all in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing on Instagram, Twitter. It's all resume crusade. You can connect with me pretty easily. Excellent. Wendy, how about you? What's the easiest way for folks to find you out there? Best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And uh, be sure to join us the fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter for our monthly HR social hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? Easiest way to find me? hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. You click up on the left-hand side, there's a little three lines there. Drop down, it'll show you all the links to my social. And while you're there, if there's an episode that you haven't listened to yet, you can download it directly. Rate, subscribe, continue to share the show. Any way you can help us publicize, we always appreciate it. And it's it's free. That's the best part of all that. It's free regardless (laughs) how you do it. And it helps us continue to build our community. So Again, Chris, we really appreciate you being with us tonight. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.